0: In unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million accomplices having it to
1: see and listen to, to remember and accept. I vow it to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words.
2: Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so today I'm going to talk about change. I think. We're all familiar with change, especially these days. But actually, I'm going to talk about whether especially these days or not. I remember there was a story in which somebody asked Suzuki Roshi, just in case anyone doesn't know who he is, he was the founder. He brought Soto Zen from Japan to the United States in the 1970s and started San Francisco Zen Center. Somebody once asked him, what is the essence of Buddhism? And he said, things change. not sure that's the exact quote. I didn't look it up.
0: But yeah. It was Ed Brown,
2: Uh-huh. He and tells that fun. story. Uh-huh. Things change. So I'm going to look at change. He referred to his, um, his book cloth, which he folded on the side instead of leaving it out like he usually does. I'm going to uh, use the means of speaking about Dogen's birth and death or shoji, to explore change in our own lives. Uh, It it centers around uh, a couple of sayings of two Zen masters, Jiashan and Dingshan. Those sayings are, because the Buddha is in, there is no birth and death. The other saying is, because the Buddha is not in birth and death, the Buddha is not deluded by birth and death. Because the Buddha is in birth and death, there is no birth and death. Because the Buddha is not in birth and death, the Buddha is not deluded by birth and death. So, yes, I chose the subject because the Sangha is ongoing changes. And because change is happening, whether we like it or not, for ourselves, I know from talking to people here that um, individually, a lot of people are going through changes, and I myself am. And so I'm not going to read the whole Shoji, but I am going to read some excerpts from it. The first excerpt is where he's um, ex- expounding on these, um, these two sayings by the ancient Zen masters. He writes, this birth and death is the life of Buddha. If you try to exclude it, you will lose the life of Buddha. If you cling to it, trying to remain in it, you will also lose the life of Buddha and what remains will be the mere form of Buddha. Only when you don't dislike birth and death or long for them do you enter Buddha's mind. Don't dislike birth and death or long for them, do you enter Buddha's mind. He starts with this birth and death is the life of Buddha. Is he just talking about the saints? to me it feels to me like he's saying this birth and death this birth and death right here this one that well Dogan experienced them but we're experiencing right now and when he talks about not trying to stay with birth and death or trying to avoid it not liking or disliking or longing for it I think he's talking about resistance to change to me as I sort of foreshadowed, why do we think that things aren't changing sometimes? I mean, the weather's always changing, the climate's changing, the, the way I breathe is changing, my skin is changing, I, I could go on and on, of course, but why do we resist change? To me, it seems like it's when it has to do with what we believe When the weather changes, I expected it to be sunny and it rains, it doesn't really, you know, I might complain a little bit, but that's not going to be, that's not a big deal. But uh, if something seems to affect my identity, and what I'm thinking of right now is that I I suffered a a job loss, a layoff, after having worked for 10 years for the same company, and it was completely unexpected. It was a period of grieving. I, I went through the seven cycles, and I guess I still am to some extent. The seven stages of grief and the first the strongest one was was i first of all well i think i first felt elated actually um, but then shortly after that i realized that that some of the realities of it set in and i felt angry and the anger stayed with me quite a while i also think it's it's interesting that when we have this change that affects our identity it, it brings on suffering and that that suffering is again I think that birth and death when you take them literally certainly are probably painful for most people anybody remember being born no I don't think we remember it I don't know if anybody does but I would think that one of the reasons we don't remember it is because we don't have our our ego form we don't have a sense of who we are yet and so it's probably physically painful to be born and it's probably shocking to go from the warm womb into the cold room and the bright lights out of the darkness but I doubt it's traumatic I I doubt that it it really is the same as if something when you get into a car crash it's not even nearly as as big of a thing it's not as big of a change but that's traumatic to many people so I think it's because it affects our identity and for for people who are literally when they're on their deathbed that we tend to call say some people died gracefully and we say some people didn't when we ourselves are, are facing an illness or feeling like we're in some way our body like our reflexes or something our biology tells us you better watch out you could die that feels really It feels like the sense of self is being threatened. I kind of had that feeling. I felt like I was going to die yesterday, actually. And so this isn't abstract. I had gone on a nice long hike in Tennessee Valley Trail in Marin County with my wife. We had taken a long time. We had a lovely time, but once we got to the parking lot, we realized we must not have had enough breakfast because we were just both feeling ill, literally ill from hunger. And so I didn't even drive. I just said, okay, I'm just going to drink some water. Personally, we had some chocolate that helped. And it was, it was just, it was really in, in a way it felt like kind of an overreaction, you know, it's like, I knew we, were, we knew we weren't going to die, but it felt like it at the moment and that can happen, you know, almost any time those changes. But again, I think because we we knew what was happening, it didn't threaten our identity. So it wasn't a long-term suffering. It was just a, it was just a reminder of the pains of life. Another sense of resistance, some resistance can be to changes. And I just wanted to give some of the examples in my own life that my resistance to change after the layoff has come from basically Two things. One, that there is a sense that I have to change the way I do things and who I am. I found out that I resisted this knowledge for a long time, resisted, um, I'm I'm getting better at it now, but resisted meeting new people and doing what's called networking because I'm not a salesperson. I am an introvert. That's not who I am. And so that was, it felt like, well, pulling teeth to um at first at some point something kicked in and i realized i can do this this is possible i guess i got out of that sense of my identity being limited in that way i'm still struggling a bit with being organized at home i didn't realize how much i compartmentalized, but at home i try to be sort of spontaneous and natural i'll, I'll write like a a Short to do list about things I have to do at home, but um, I'm not used to being just having my time and my priorities really you know structured, which I have to do now um, in order to pursue the next step. so those are things that are those death or are those birth for me? an interesting question at first it felt like like death because something was really changing, something uh, painful happened. Uh, the previous way of life is just suddenly gone. So I think that was one re- response. And the other response is, well, maybe I graduated. Maybe there's something better maybe maybe it's a birth. Maybe it's painfully going into bright lights and a, a cold new reality that's not necessarily worse than what I came from. Yeah, so I don't want to micromanage my own life is the resistance I'm getting. If I got over, or am getting over, this fear of meeting new people and all that, I just, and realize through my practice that this is my identity shouting, that's not who I am, I can say, is that so? Is that so? The next part I'm going to read from Shoji is, well, I'm going to reread the lessons I read so that you know what the transition is. Dogen says, only when you don't dislike birth and death or long for them, do you enter Buddha's mind. However, do not analyze or speak about it. Just set aside your body and mind, forget about them, and throw them into the house of Buddha. Then all is done by Buddha. When you follow this, you are free from birth and death and become a Buddha without effort or calculation. Who then continues to think? So yes, I'm speaking about it. Yes, I'm analyzing. Dogen wrote about it, What about that. I think what he's reminding us to do is to sit zazen. We can talk about it all we want. Dogen wrote a lot about it and this is all very helpful studying, but when we're not sitting on that cushion, we're missing it. He's talking about not seeing our changes, our births and our deaths as something separate from our life right now. We'll miss our life right now. If we're we're thinking too much, if we're speaking too much, if we're analyzing too much, throw them into the house of Buddha. Throw yourself into the house of Buddha. Throw your body and mind into the house of Buddha then all is done by Buddha. It's like a, a story that Mary's often told of, was it Blanche who asked Mel, who, who said that she thought she was getting the hang of Zaza?
1: No,
0: Blanche asked, Blanche told Suzuki, Suzuki she, Roshi that she was. She said, well, she, I think she said, I think I'm getting the hang of this Zaza. And
2: Suzuki Roshi apparently Hit the desk and and or whatever it was in front of him and said, "Zazen does zazen. You do not do zazen."
0: Right. So. And yeah, I think it was even stronger. Mm-hmm. I think it was. Never say Never. you do zazen. Zazen does zazen.
2: So, I think Dogen saying the same thing. Just throw your body and mind into the house of Buddha. When you follow this, you are free from birth and death and become a Buddha without effort or calculation. Who then continues to think?
3: It doesn't say stop thinking. Who continues to think? Well, I do continue to think, usually. Most of us do. But who continues to
2: think? We can sit with that. We can sit with who keeps planning the future, who keeps dwelling on the past, and just let that question rise as a question and don't try to answer it. I also had a, a good rejuvenation in the midst of, of my struggle with change when I had already planned a vacation that was going to be a vacation from work, But decided not to cancel it even though i wasn't working anymore my wife and i went to in-town campground which is right near grass valley and i think it's in in nevada city but it's it's actually it's a campground it doesn't feel like it's 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 um rural enough but with the the amenities anyway it's a very nice place i recommend it so when we were there we decided to do zazen sat on, I don't remember what she sat on, but I sat on a tree trunk um, in front of a tree and just was using the tree instead of a wall. And as I listened, I would hear all kinds of things. I would hear the birds. I would hear, I would hear the children in the camp next door playing some game. And it felt so rejuvenating to just notice all those sounds. And sometimes I'd, I'd say, "I'd notice myself and think, "Am I here, present? now?" And I'd realize, "Nope, that's already gone." The Second I think that I was gone. And it just felt like felt like returning. It felt like just what was needed. And I'm not going to try to say there's a cause and effect relationship that that moment led me to get over some of my resistance, but I'm sure that my practice in general does and we need those moments. We, we need those times where we can let go as much as possible, where we can just. Well, I was going to say listen, but then I remember Zach's famous phrase about when you sit, you hear the birds, but you don't listen. So it's like that, and that's what Dogen is telling us to do. So things change. There was another time in my life where I don't remember what all was going on in my mind, but I remember I was going through some kind of transition when I was in my twenties. There was some kind of pain going on and I happened to, it was getting a little bit near dusk and I happened to walk into a classroom on the campus of the junior college in Santa Rosa I was going to, I stepped into the classroom and there there was an auto sensor, which were was unusual in those days. That was like early 90s. And that surprised me first. And then my eyes immediately went to a a sign above the chalkboard that says things change. I thought, okay, I don't believe in any HUI, but that's pretty amazing. So next week, I decided, oh, I'll step into that classroom and look at that sign again. And it said, change things. I thought that was so great. And, uh, and I think that's how it is. I also don't think that those two are opposite. I don't think that those two are at all in contradiction to one another. Because things change things. Things change, change things. We change things, things change us. We are things, we are change. Change changes things, change changes change. It's not as good as Dogen, but it's inspired by him. And finally, I want to read you what what he closes with. He closes the Shoji by saying, there is a simple way to become a Buddha when you refrain from unwholesome actions, are not attached to birth and death, and are compassionate toward all sentient beings, respectful to seniors and kind to juniors, not excluding or desiring anything, with no designing thoughts or worries, you will be called a Buddha.
3: Do not seek anything else. What is
2: your experience with birth and death?
0: I guess what I think of change and resistance to change is that fear of the unknown. Like things are pretty good right now. Some major change is coming up. Doesn't sound good. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about, uh, all that resistance just causes us to miss our lives. We miss what's happening right now because of all that preoccupation. Good point. Thank you for that.
1: Your opening line reminded me Of a scene in the movie Kundun when the young um, Dalai Lama is with his teacher, and his teacher says, "Things change, Kundun." That's the only line in the movie I remember. But I loved the finger snap. Yeah, you know, getting old, man. That's the ultimate change, right? Can't do things I used to do. I like to think that practicing has made that easier for me to accept and accommodate, I don't know, that's the beauty of it, (laughs) but yeah, I think, like Liam said, I think we maybe from evolution or something, things changing doesn't seems like it's gonna maybe be something bad. But I like to think I'm more embracing of change than I used to be. And um, in part because there's nothing you can do about it. I guess you can get angry and afraid and uh, other emotions.
3: But acceptance is good.
4: Now I'm ready. When you were first talking, when this topic comes up, I always remember a line I wrote down by Adrian Rich, which said, the moment of change is the only poem. And I wrote that down before I ever studied. Maybe it was a precursor or something. I, I noticed change a lot here in ways that I didn't before. The seasonal changes bring different animals and creatures to the area where we live. And I'm sure that happened when I lived in Benicia, but I wasn't, I mean, there were certain things like humming, certain hummingbirds and things, but we're on the trail and um, you see uh, snakes out on the road more and we were hiking a couple of weeks ago and there were all these tiny little baby toads that were crossing the so spring and lots of babies everywhere and and then lots of things that have been smushed by cars actually while we were hiking a trail that's the Larry Scott trail we were with our friend Jo and she was on a little scooter and sunny started to notice or somebody noticed these toads and and all of a sudden splat (laughs) joe ran over one of them unconsciously but (laughs) sort of like ah um so i'm really aware of how things die um, and more often than i used to be aware of and it makes me sad. I feel a sadness at the loss of things. And I think where I get hung up and what he's talking about is death and birth are, are somehow there was something in what you read where they are separate. They aren't apart from one another but i'm not there yet in my understanding i still see them as very separate occurrences <laughs> and and i'm not sure how i hold that so it's 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 a mystery and a question do you do you have any thoughts on that steve
2: i i do i'm going to read you a small part i i didn't read you to give you food for thought or food for zazen I guess Dogen writes it is a mistake to suppose that birth turns into death birth is a phase that is an entire period of itself with its own past and future for this reason in Buddha Dharma birth is understood as no birth death is a phase that is an entire period of itself with its own past and future For this reason death is understood as no death in birth there is nothing but birth and death there is nothing but death accordingly when birth comes face and actualize birth and when death comes face and actualize death do not avoid or desire them
0: well i'm in the middle of a Significant change, too. So, it was this was really useful, and your talk was really useful. And I was also really struck by the the ending that, that you read about what it is to be a Buddha. Because I've been, uh, I, I'm going to talk tomorrow uh, at Green Gulch about dealing with my hatred of Donald Trump and I'll say here, I don't think I'm gonna say it quite so baldly there, you know, I enjoy it.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. I, you know, Linda Ruth years ago talked about, you know, talking of other's faults being wicked fun and it is wicked fun And, uh, and I don't think it's, I'm not, I'm not, Proud of that, and I actually think it's corrosive and, and sort of not a good idea, and it's addictive. Mm. And I have reason to be very afraid of him, and I have reason to disapprove of what he does, but I do not have reason, in my view, to hate him. What is it? Um, oh God! What is the guy who's you know get in good trouble? John Lewis. John Lewis, you know, you said like you know, hate the sin but not the sinner, um, but it's it's uh, it's difficult. It's really difficult, and it, it's partly also it's a bonding thing. You know, we all we tell jokes about him and we laugh at him, and part of what that does is is diminish him, mm-hmm. and it's it makes me feel safer because what's really under it is fear, but it just he is so daunting to to give it up it maybe it is like an addiction but that um and change is coming so slowly and i don't know what's going to happen you know will he be convicted will he ever be tried so on and so on and so on um will he i can say it, be president again uh i don't know um Anyway, it, it just it's just really um, helpful, and it's, and I, and I appreciate listening to you talking about it in your own life, and and uh, and then back to my my life changing. So, you know, the, to remember, oh yeah, there's there's good things about this, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if I could, you don't mind, I I, I just, do you mind if I, when I said to you the other day, I think it was in Doxon, so that's why I'm asking. If I said something about noticing on the AG's list that there might be things that actually interested you. Oh, boy, I, I, the AG's listed. Doesn't doesn't sound secret. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't exactly remember. Okay, but okay. so we, we were talking about change. Uh, Steve and I, and he, had, he told me that he had applied to the uh, California Attorney General for a state job. And, uh, and I said, I, I wonder, I, I bet that on the, the list of all the possible lawyer jobs within the attorney general's office, there, there are some that, that actually sound interesting. Mm-hmm. And his face lit up and he said, yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, does that come in? Yeah, yeah. No, it does, yeah. And, and, and uh, it was wonderful to see his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's all.
3: Beings are
0: numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable,
3: I vow to become it. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them.
0: Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.